Well, once again, we have a fabulous show for you today. We have Kate from Sourcing Journal. She was one of our most listened to podcasts. So mm. we thought, why not bring her back? We're so gracious and thankful to have her join us today. Yeah. I mean, she is a gem. She's going to be here talking about some of the different trade shows she went to and what we're seeing from a manufacturing and sourcing standpoint going into spring of 2022. I mean, just to, to, in a different way, Summer, Kate did the work you don't have to and I don't have to. I know. She did all Bless the heavy her. lifting. She went and she and now, thank you, you're welcome, listener, by the way. You're just going to hear about the two trade shows. And then, of course, Haley in the news, she brings it always. Haley, what's your highlights this, this week? A very serious book is purchased by hmm. someone with a very inappropriate buyer name. Inappropro. We always love a little bit of inappropriateness. We hope you enjoy today's show. All right, let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Can anybody hear me? I feel like my yes, it's very loud. Okay, that's great. Um, what's happening? We are actually together here in the AOB Bellevue Studios. It's Woo-hoo! been a little rough. I've had a little rough patch summer. I must. It's been a rough morning, Scott. <laughs> Summer's mad at me. I just want everybody to let know, and sh- and I deserve it. Well, because he said straight to my husband, she doesn't deserve you. <laughs> I was like, what? Did you what? Mind blown. I bend over backwards to make Scott comfortable in our home. Make sure I get him coffee, even though he was supposed to get the coffee. Yes. Got him a pastry. I met with his daughter this week. I'm just doing favors left and right. Yes. And he's like. Man, Matt, she just doesn't deserve you. And I'm like, what? Rewind. I wish I could take that back. I do accept gifts. Do you? I do. I can be bought. Really? Yep. Because I feel horrible. All right. Well, I'll send you my Nordstrom wish list. Oh, no. I can't. I can't <laughs> handle that. <laughs> I, 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 I get the product delivered. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Summer Jubilee is here, of course. Scott Oshman here. Uh, we're at the OB Bellevue, as I said. And then Haley, Haley Brucker, Haley in the News. Good morning, you guys. They're taking down a hundred foot tree in my backyard right now. So, so let's hope that there's no like chainsaw sounds. The tractor is literally like driving right by my office window right here. So it's lots of action. Oh, good, 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 good. We're in a new studio here at the AOB Bellevue studio. We're in a new, you have so many studios in this house. We do. The next time we're going to go in my son's closet, Scott has decided. <laughs> I actually, it looked good. It looked like <laughs> I got to talk to Matt, the engineer. I think we. <laughs> So speaking of mornings like this, so I was on vacation last week and last week we rented a boat. So we're in Lake Chelan. Mind you, there's this huge, giant fire happening right now. And there's planes yeah. flying into the lake, scooping up water, dumping it onto the fire, trying to put it out. And we decide, well, what? we'll rent a boat, you know, for being bright and smart. So we get this boat, we get on the boat and I look at my husband and I said, where's the snack bag? He's like, what snack bag? I was like, son of a bitch. So we have to turn around, go back to the dock. I drive home, get the snacks, come back. We get on the boat. And then my youngest is like, please, please, can I, can I water ski? I'm like, sure. Water's freezing and it's like 62 degrees outside. Not a warm day. He gets in the water and just immediately starts bawling. Starts crying. And I'm like, well, this is going great. I'm so glad we rented a boat today. So we bring him back in. And then I look to my left and my youngest has fallen asleep. He's completely passed out. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, this is going great. So then we, we move on and we let them, let my oldest do the tube. And then we bring him in after the tube and we're going to keep right. We're going to keep on the boat. And then Matt can't get the boat to turn on. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
So then we had to call, we had to call the boat place. They have to come out and uh, they're like, oh, sir, you just have to put it in neutral. (laughs) (laughs) No freaking way. And mind you, they asked him on the phone, do you have it in neutral? And they're like, it shouldn't rock back and forth if you have it in neutral. And it, it didn't rock back, but it definitely rocked forward. And he was like, nope, not moving. And I looked at him and I was like, but it, but it, but it did. And he was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. That's not it. It's a neutral. I was like, okay, sure. What, what do I know? Guy comes out. It's, it's like a 12 year old kid comes out, turns it on for us. I was like, you fucking kidding me. Here we go. So then we get the boat back on. Mind you, my five year old still passed out. My, my seven-year-old's fine, but now he decides he wants to go tubing again. We're like, all right, we'll go tubing. Um, he's like, please go with me. And I'm like, guys, now it's maybe warmed up to 67 degrees. Overcast. It's not, the, the lake is freezing. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. We only have 30 minutes left on this boat rental. Mother of the year. I start getting into my swimsuit. I turn around. I'm like, where's the tube? Guys, where's the tube? We lost the tube somewhere on the lake. So I was just like, forget it. We're going home. Get me some wine. I'm done. I'm done. And that was my fantastic boating experience, which kind of really feels like this morning so far. Really? Uh, You're comparing me to that? (laughs) I am. You're bringing me flashbacks. Oh, my gosh. I was. I went from, boy, don't ever be on a pedestal. It's Ted Lasso. She calls me Ted Lasso. (laughs) Now I'm like, I've I've fallen so far. You have. It's okay. You can redeem yourself. Can I? You can, because you brought a wonderful guest back today. I did. What a professional segment transition that is ladies and gentlemen we have our i believe this could be our first reoccurring guest yes kate nishimura from sourcing journal hey guys (laughs) hello everybody hello uh kate you i love this the school started now this is kind of like a, a book report but it's kind of like a trade show report yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, all the trade shows happened this month and we were not sure they were going to happen, but they did. They did. And you, brave soul, and thank goodness you're healthy and everything worked out for you. Uh, <laughs> but you braved it. You went to it. And we want to start with your Vegas trip. We need a trip report with Kate Nishimura, Sourcing Journal. Absolutely. So I went to the Magic and Sourcing trade shows, which... Scott, I know you've been before a number of times. Um, You know, they're twice a year, usually in February and August. Um, So this was the summer show. Looking forward to 2022 spring. Um, The last couple of shows were virtual. So this was really kind of the first one that was like back in person. Yeah. Um, Really interesting experience. I'll say that. Um, you know, definitely smaller footprint for all of the shows, um, you know, as you can imagine. And then they brought a lot of stuff online as well. So it was kind of this like hybrid experience. Um, I spent a lot of time personally at the sourcing show, um, you know, sourcing journal. Um, so you know, <laughs> I see what you did there. That's, that's surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah, surprise. Where are you gonna find Kate? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so that's where I spent a lot of my time just because I wanted to see kind of what the trends were in sourcing um, after more than a year of not having gone to the show and all of the crazy uh, stuff that's gone on. Like we talked about last time, the logistics delays, the production delays. Um, so just kind of seeing that in person was really interesting. Um I, you know, I didn't expect kind of the layout that I saw. Um, I, I guess, you know, I hadn't really been thinking about what it would be like, but 
you know, there are a lot of travel bans in effect right now. Um, So China was sidelined. I mean, India, a lot of the EU countries, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, India, Brazil, they weren't able to come to the show. And so, you know, China usually makes up about 70% of the exhibitors for sourcing, you know, these manufacturers that come over. Um, And so they just like were not able to attend. Um, So that was that was a a really, really big change. Um, But, you know, I think what we saw was just who came up to kind of take their place. And that was um, surprising to me. Sorry, I'm sorry, Kate. He's being so rude this morning. I I am on fire with my like. (laughs) He's eating his Starbucks pastry and the bag's like crunch, 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 crunch (laughs) right in my ear. I'm like, what is going on? You told me not. I had to eat it this time. Take it out of the bag, put it on the table. So every time you have to want to get a bite, you don't have to reach in and make a crackly sound. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm dealing with my kids. Apparently I'm on the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Kate. Okay, go ahead. So, so we talked about this. So nobody's there. China's gone. China is, is on the IR, right? They're out. So basically, it's call-up time. Every other country in the world that could be there is there to get the business. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, you think about 70% of the exhibitors that are usually there are just not. I mean, that's not exactly true. It's So what happened was what they did for China, which I thought was really interesting, was they put together this whole kind of showroom floor that looked almost like a retail experience where it was like a bunch of rolling racks. And the Chinese exhibitors, these manufacturers, you know, for textiles, for apparel, whatever, they sent over product um, and they kind of displayed it as if you were at like Nordstrom or something. And so if you're a buyer coming in, you could just go through the stuff like you're in a store. And then they had, you know, computers kind of around the hall so that you could, you know, if you found something that you like, some material or, you know, some apparel, you could go and order it right then and there. And those exhibitors were online, like waiting to take orders. Yeah, now pre-COVID, for people who have never been to Magic, is the biggest, largest apparel show, I think, in the world, to my knowledge. It used to be. Kate, is that? Yeah, I mean, I think it used to attract like 90,000 people or yeah. something. Oh it was ginormous. It, wait, wait, wait. It attracts 90,000 people to Vegas in August? To Vegas. Yeah. Yes. But in yeah. August. Oh, yeah, that's, t- that's a brutal time to go Dude, to Dude, you were, you were schwitzing your brains out <laughs> waiting for it. Yeah. It's Uber. like, I don't want to look at warm, cozy sweaters. It was my first Lyft, actually. It was a magic show years ago. Lyft was new. Mm-hmm. And I, I, at the Las Vegas Convention Center, anybody who's been to Vegas can relate with this. Um, anyway, there's this huge taxi line. And then the Uber line, they actually put them on a separate spot. And I'm like, hmm. And I have no idea if this is true or not, but I convinced myself that it was very clever. I, I, I fire up the Lyft app because I've never used it. Yeah. And there's like, I'm telling you, 50 to 100 people milling around waiting for their Uber. I hit the little Lyft thing. Bam. My yeah. guys, my guys, right there. Yeah, that's right. Good so job, Scott. my other thing was with sourcing because I spent some time in the sourcing because I thought it was interesting too. Typically, when you will go up there, it is it is like the the showrooms they have in the factories. They kind of bring them in. It's just you go into these booths and just just shelves, shelves on the footwear. I went to the footwear mostly, shelves of footwear, and you just go up there and go, yeah, I want one of that, except I want it with this and this and this. Oh, I want one of that. I want one of that. 
So it sounds like, Kate, they kind of created a virtual same type of experience. Right. I mean, it was like rather than each exhibitor having their own booth and it being like this kind of like international bazaar type of experience, it was more like it it felt more like you were in a store Mm -hmm. um, just kind of shopping for goods. Um, And so that's what they did for the Chinese exhibitors. Like they were able to prepare for that because they knew that they weren't going to be able to come because that travel ban went into effect um, months ago. And yeah, so for India, though, it was a little bit different. The Indian exhibitors were really hoping that they would lift that ban before the show happened. And unfortunately, they didn't. So they just were not able to exhibit really at all. Um, And Bangladesh had a a large contingent of exhibitors. I would say that they were the ones that kind of benefited most from this, um, as well as Latin America, um, which I think was such an interesting trend to look at. That was something that we were kind of wanting to look at coming into the show was whether, you know, Central and South America would see um, a new contingent of producers coming in to kind of fill that China void um, and they really did. And that is something that I've never seen having gone to this show in the past. That's huh. cool. That's so Kate, I've never been to one of these. So are, are like, is pricing up? Like people can see what, like you said, it's like Nordstrom. Do you see price tags or do you have to like talk to somebody to negotiate like the wholesale price and the bulk and how much you'd buy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you are visiting an exhibitor's booth, they're really going to be giving you that pricing information, telling you about the MOQs, um, you know, telling you about shipping times, all of that. Um, but, you know, for like the Chinese exhibitors, for example, that weren't there, you could look at it through the the app for oh, the show or you could go to one of these computers. So one thing we keep hearing about is with all these logistic problems that there's going to be, you know, manufacturers are going to have to raise their prices. Did you see that while you were there? Did it look like prices were going up? You know, what I saw when I was there was just that with China not being there and China really kind of having this stronghold on pricing in terms of being the lowest price, um, other manufacturers, you know, I don't know that they were necessarily raising prices, but it is just more expensive to produce elsewhere. It's more expensive to produce in in Latin America, um, you know, different labor laws there, but there are also different trade laws. I mean, there's USMCA, which makes it easier. There's no tariffs on a lot of those goods. Um, and so I think right now brands are starting to just think, okay, you know, we're weighing the cost of production against, you know, the cost of logistics and everything else, when you combine all that with the uncertainty of whether you're going to get your goods or not from China or, you know, another Asian country, um, with all the issues that we've seen, it might actually make sense from a cost standpoint to manufacture in some place like Mexico, where even though it might be a little bit more expensive off the bat, you're going to get your goods um, in a shorter amount of time. And it costs less to ship them here by truck or by boat or, you know, it's even air freighting. I mean, it's just a shorter distance. Okay, real quickly on Vegas. I mean, what was it like? I want to know what the food was like. What were people talking about? Did you feel like you were in a big room with like seven people? Was this like the uncomfortable, like you invited everybody to a party and like no one really showed up? So you're all looking around going, wow, okay, I guess we're the only ones here. 
You know, I wouldn't say it was it was quite like that. <laughs> I actually thought that the turnout was better than what I expected, but of course it was totally different. It was completely different than the experiences that I've had in the past where like I said the show is usually mobbed and yeah. um it's it's such like the event of the year in the fashion community and um, this time, you know, it just, it definitely felt a lot more subdued. There were a lot fewer exhibitors. I felt like there were a lot fewer attendees, but that was also to be expected, I think, um, right. coming out of COVID. And especially given that, like, things with Delta started to ramp up right before the show, yeah. you know, and that probably changed some people's plans at the last minute. Like, well, this is post-COVID trade show world now. You know, it's it's very different. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how I felt about it. So, so, Summer, you're a woman of great fashion. You like to shop. You've talked about your Nordstrom thing, right? Yeah. Yes. Kate, well, you would love this show back in the day. So, Kate, you yeah. get to walk. You get to see all the latest, greatest trends of fashion from all sides, everywhere in the world, right? Masks, special, whatever. You're on top. You're before. That's like the peak. You yeah, know, yeah. you'd love this. Well, uh, well, I mean, I truly was an early adopter when it came to the casual sweatshirt wear that we're all wearing now thanks to COVID. <laughs> I really did start that about 10 years did ago. Did you really? Saying. Pioneer. I didn't know that. You should <laughs> wow. have that on your LinkedIn. My, this sweatshirt's over 12 years old, so Ooh. I'm just saying. I'm just wow. saying. I love that. Very sustainable summer. <laughs> so, Kate, the reason I ask you this summer is because, Kate, we need to know what are the trends and tell our listeners, our great listening audience, they want to know what's coming yeah. up for spring 2022. Well, I would say kind of the theme going into spring 2022 is continued uncertainty. Um, it's a little bit of a mishmash of stuff um, because, you know, like usually when you go to the show, some are just to paint a picture for you, like you kind of see trends coalescing. You're seeing a ton of brands, but then you're seeing like similar themes yes. across the different booths. You're like, okay, well, a lot of people are doing purple. I was going to say, is neon, is neon still in? Because neon came back. Neon and tie dye. Are you still seeing that or is that going out? I'm definitely, we're definitely still seeing tie dye sets. You know, yeah. the um, sweatshirts and sweatpants. Onesies? I mean, I don't think that's going away. We got onesies? Anytime. I didn't see a whole lot of onesies. Dang it. But, yeah, I mean, I would say, like, the thing that I really noticed about it was that everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And I think it's because people just, like, brands just don't know what consumers are going to be up to next spring. It's mm-hmm. like... Are they going back to work? Are they going to weddings? Are they going to birthday parties and baby showers? Not sure. I would say a lot of brands are thinking people are probably not going back to work, but they're going to want to buy stuff for like social occasions. So, you know, the things that I saw that were kind of fun, I guess, you know, the the trends, I saw a lot of silky sets, like, you know, kind of like a skirt and top combo in like a silk or a satin. Um, Mon- and are we still doing like the mono? Are we still doing the monochrome? Yeah. All right, monochrome dressing, totally. Oh, um, this is like always off fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna make this clear. I may know what's in style. I do not wear what's in style. Well, I know. I don't either. I mean, I think what they're trying to do is like the sets are still a really big thing, like the matching whatever, because it's easy for people to put together and they're thinking, all right, this is like a way to graduate up from the sweatpants and sweatshirt 
to like a real outfit, but it's already matched. Right. Basically. Right. This is just a, not it's there. We're just going to treat every person like a man. Just don't give them options. Seriously. <laughs> I'm thinking back to like Granimals when I was eight or six or five. I don't remember, but this is another input that we're just all, we're just getting dumber. What is going on? We have to matchy match or to set it up. I just happy I mean, meal one, happy meal two. I don't hate it. I kind of like that. Okay. Okay. I'm with Kate. Well, I'm listen, the way this morning's going, (laughs) I just gotta just agree with me, Scott. I agree with you. 110%. (laughs) Both Kate, you're right. You're right. You're right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, well, the next trend, I think this one was this one was kind of fun, kind of interesting. They were calling it at the show. They were calling it the almost famous look, like as in the movie, like Kate Hudson's character. Oh. Um, so like kind of that late 60s, early 70s vibe. Yes. Um, I could never pull it off, of, but I love that look. I love it, too. I mean, so it was like a lot of kind of like flower power, or like heavy embroidery. Breezy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that one was a really big one that I saw. Um, you know, a lot of like T-shirts that say like Woodstock. And of course, they're going to be worn by kids who like don't know what Woodstock is. Um, hey, you know, I'll, all I'll, of that. I'll wear a Def Leppard shirt any day, but do not ask me to name one of their songs. Utek leaping, glopping, gloping. So that's yeah. that's a trend, and then the footwear show used to be platform, but now they've kind of consolidated it all into one big blob. Totally, they have. Well, I want to say one more of one more of the oh, apparel trends. Absolutely, trend. you go. Um, so this one is like kind of inspired by like early two thousands, like gossip girl. Um, it's like that collegiate, like varsity preppy kind of look, yeah. like the school girl skirts Britney Spears and, and like it, baby one more yes, time. Exactly. Yep. Like the white button down and like a matching sweater vest, but kind of like edgy and like, Avril Lavigne ish. Are we getting like Avril Lavigne ish? Yeah. With with Doc Martens. Exactly. Yeah. Like that kind of look. Um, I could dress a teenager like that. There was this weird connection that was going on. The the brains were sharing there (laughs) through the screens. Kate, I just want to go with you next year. Oh my God, you should come. (laughs) We could set up an AOB Studios there. We could. We could. Uh, anything else there? Cause I do want to move on to your next road trip report, uh, yes. to your next show. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll go through just some of the footwear that I saw really quickly. I would say the footwear to me, you know, not to put anybody on blast. It was a bit underwhelming. I think a lot of people have not been wearing shoes this year because they've been at home. <laughs> um, and so it's like, you know, this show, Scott, I know that you love like athletic shoes, right? This is not the show for that. This is the show for like women's like yes. contemporary and fashion footwear. And it just kind of seemed like brands didn't really know what to do because they're not really sure if people are going back to work. Um, and so there are a lot of, you know, nice looking kind of slide sandals, um, a lot of really big 
like platforms um, and then like a lot of pastel colorways. But those are really kind of the biggest trends that I saw. Other than that, it was a little bit disjointed and it just kind of feels like, you know, they're just not sure if people are going to be really buying shoes that heavily next spring. You, you know, it's funny. I went to yesterday, no, Wednesday, first day of school for my seven-year-old. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make an impression on all these parents. It's the first day. We all see each other for the first time. So they all walk up and I was like, I should put on clothes, right? <laughs> First things first. No, no, you don't want to know that came out. Okay, go ahead. So I'm like looking around. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I don't want to wear. I, I do not like like your Nikes with jeans. I, I don't like it on my body. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll throw on my Vans. I haven't worn my Vans. Mind you, they're at least eight or nine years old because I don't throw anything away when it comes to clothes because I don't buy that much. Anyways, I put them on. And I was like, these are so uncomfortable. Oh, <laughs> really? Because... Really? I normally don't wear them with socks, so I just throw them on. I'm like, these are scratchy. There's no cushion. And I've gotten so used to wearing just like my New Balances and my Nikes yeah. and my Adidas that I was like, they're stiff. I was like, how the hell do right. I wear these for so long? Mind you, I probably haven't, wor- I haven't worn them since COVID hit. So they've been sitting in my closet collecting dust for two years. And um, I could see like people aren't really buying shoes. Yeah. I did buy well, one pair of shoes on the Nordstrom anniversary sale, but that was it. Did you get them? I oh yeah, Haley. We had to have a separate conversation about all the oh thanks for your order. Two minutes later, uh, your order was canceled. No, we had that whole oh. thing. You told that whole story, right? No, that was when they messed up my shipment, oh. and then I yeah, that was a whole other story. Oh yeah, um, but that was an anniversary order, so that's why I was asking. Like, yes, did you get your shoes? I did get my boots. Um, they're good. they're a little too big, so I had to go in and get a different size. But that's a different subject. But um, <laughs> what I, I I'm feel curious. which ones. What boots are they? Yeah. Well, they're the Chelsea boot. And I didn't know they were called Chelsea boot. And someone was like, oh, Chelsea boots are so in this year. And I was like, what, what's a Chelsea boot? And then I'd ordered it. See, so you were they in. look like my, my barn paddock boots that yeah. I wear when I ride sometimes. Yeah, they're like the Doc. I just couldn't get, I just couldn't do the Doc Martin because I'm like, no, I'm not 15. So they're like a, an adult version of a Doc Martin. Although I think Doc Martins are very cool. I just can't pull them off anymore. Yeah, that's all right. You, they're showing more boots. This is becoming a, basically a shopping session, which I love. I'm all in on this. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear uh, the next big trade show Kate Nishmer went to. Uh, she's with us uh, from Sourcing Journal right after this. Hi, this is Jason Boyce, co-author of The Amazon Jungle, The Truth About Amazon. And you're listening to Always Off Brand. All righty, moving on to the next adventure for Kate, our lovely guest, second time guest, our reoccurring guest. You're pretty much a permanent fixture now, Kate. I'm sorry to, to label that. Love it. <laughs> so you went from straight from Vegas to, uh, to the beautiful city of Denver, Colorado to see Outdoor Retailer. And for those not in the outdoor business, this is the largest outdoor uh, specialty you know, hiking, camping, I don't know, that kind of show in the, in, the, in the country for sure. Actually, there's a bigger one in Europe. But you went to that, and that's where I first met you. I get to speak that's it there true. sometimes. And then we have a big announcement for OR coming up in January that we'll tease uh, for everybody. Uh, not now, because we're going we're gonna to make you think now. But Kate, what was your biggest, uh, and you've been out to a retailer many times, so, so walk us through that trip. Oh my gosh. I mean, so I came in on Wednesday, which 
I believe was the second day of the show. And I got in in the afternoon from Vegas. And so I just went straight to the convention center. And honestly, I, I was telling you this when we were talking the other day. But when I walked in, I was like, am I in the right place? Like, yeah. usually it's like spilling out into the street. There's like booths everywhere. There's like people handing out, you know, like swag. There was just no one in the halls. There wasn't even a whole lot of like signage. I mean, it was so quiet compared to like years past. And it was kind of like astounding, honestly. Yeah, it kind of hit me. Yeah, it really hit me at that moment. I was like, this is really, really, really different. Um, And, you know, usually that whole convention center is filled up um, multiple floors with, you know, exhibitors. And this time it was only the top floor. Um, and it wasn't even really wall to wall. I mean, it was it was pretty small compared no. to years past. And it's wall to wall. Usually they can't they sell out. They have waiting lists. I mean, I was joking that they bar- they almost put booths in the bathroom, but I, I, it's not that far <laughs> off. Like on your way no, to the serious? bathroom, you have like little booths leading up. And then they had little like corridors, hallways underneath that weren't even supposed to be people walking. And they put booths in there. Oh, wow. It, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Even like just like you know, a little over a year ago, like early 2020, when I went, it was, it was that way. Um, I mean, so it was, it was pretty striking to see the difference, I would say. But what I I noticed this time was a lot of the big guys didn't show up. The North Face didn't come uh, this time. A lot of the bigger ones didn't. Um, And like you said, there's all kinds of gear there. You know, there's there's tents, there's, you know, camping stoves, there's everything you could need for like an outdoor excursion. For me, you know, since we're focused mostly on apparel and footwear, that's kind of where I spend a lot of my time. Um, And that portion of the show is obviously a lot smaller than it usually is. Um, But because some of the bigger brands didn't show up, I think it gave uh, a little bit more of a spotlight to some of like the smaller direct to consumers and startups. And like some of them, you know, this was their first time exhibiting at the show. Some of them had even like started during 2020, like they were total like COVID babies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so I thought that was really interesting, you know, to see that it almost kind of felt like, like a, a different flavor altogether you know it was kind of like a a startup show the launch we are hoping to go wide um get it into the hands of as many people as possible really like a regional startup show what are some examples of the the products that you saw from these covid babies yeah so i mean some of the things that i highlighted in my reporting um i saw a brand that was called got bag um they're doing these kind of like outdoor excursion bags um, made out of recycled plastics. Um, At this point, you know, recycled plastic, we're seeing it a lot. Um, But, you know, they are, um, they have like their own supply chain for it. Um, They are, you know, blue sign approved. um, And they're made out of plastic bottles um, that, you know, are collected in Indonesia. That's where their supply chain is. Um, and the bags themselves were just like really well made and very kind of, you know, just cool looking. Um, and so this was their first time at the show. Um, and they started a few years ago, but like they're really just kind of getting on their feet now. And because 
so many of the bigger brands didn't show up. Um, they said that they had a great show and they told me that within like the first day they had made their money back on what it cost them to get there, wow. which is, you know, awesome. so what were some yeah. of the other, yeah. other trends that you were seeing? So I saw another brand, you know, what, like basically like the trend that I was seeing was like everything kind of had a little twist to it. You know, it wasn't just like straightforward apparel or footwear, or, you know, bags or whatever, like I was looking at this brand called Hemp Black, and they really kind of got started, um, I think a little before the pandemic started, you know, get, getting their role going during 2020. And they're doing 3D knitted, um, recycled polyester um, athleisure, you know, leggings, sports bras, things like that, as well as men's products like swim trunks, but it's infused with CBD. And so they have their own supply chain for for cannabis in the U.S. and they're growing it, I believe, in Kentucky. Why? And then they're producing in North Carolina. So what? CBD. I mean, I guess clothing. What kind of joint is this, man? Oh, it's a heavy duty joint, man. It looks like a toothpick, man. No, it's not a toothpick, man. Hey, it is a toothpick, man. Oh man, it's just it is a toothpick. So yeah. the Reprieve factory actually is 30 minutes from the house here in Yadkinville, North Carolina. And I'm assuming that's the factory that they're using. And my husband has actually been in the factory because they make some socks for them. But long story short, they take these plastic flakes in a giant tub and they melt them. And then they get pushed through almost like a spaghetti press, if you can imagine mm-hmm. that. And it comes out into fine threads and then they weave those threads to make the yarns and then they make the textile from the yarn it's a really neat process yeah but wouldn't it just like wash out after a couple of cycles in the washing machine some does but a lot of the newer technology we found to be very durable wow a lot of now they can actually embed it into the yarn like it's not going right it's it's part of the yarn so cool well i hope they know that they can't use the term cbd on amazon they're gonna have to say i I hope so i hope so (laughs) and it's like what is the what's the feature benefit of having cbd in the clothing is it like i'm gonna okay yeah what is that i mean i'm you know, I was asking that and that's kind of what I assumed was that it was like going to be the same benefits as like taking CBD orally, which is that, you know, it's relaxing. It's kind of anxiety fighting. Um, but actually what what the uh, the brand rep was telling me was that it, it's an antimicrobial and oh. it has like o- odor fighting abilities. So, you know, putting it into workwear, infusing it into the yarn is what they're doing, like during that whole extrusion process. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, it, yeah, it basically is just an odor fighter. And, you know, he says people have been really interested in antimicrobial properties ever since the pandemic, obviously. Um, they're also doing masks. They're doing some other products as well. Um, and then they also have a line of like full on CBD products, like, you know, tinctures and things like that, that you can use for relaxation. So it's kind of like this dual brand. All I can think about is every this company should go to every single high school PTA and who's ever in charge of spirit gear, get yeah, them to buy it. Yeah. Right. High school students need that. <laughs> <laughs> Puberty's hitting. They don't smell so good. They need those clothes. Uh huh. A little ripe. Uh, <laughs> Kate. So again, at OR, like what is the mood? What are people talking about? What are they? I mean, 
Well, I just, I, I'm dying to know like a sense of what the attitude was, what the feeling yeah. was. Because OR, it, it, wonderfully, outdoor retailer, has this just an, an indescribable energy to it. It has just such good vibes to it. You know what I mean? It's just a fun yeah. show uh, versus a lot of these other trade shows are like, you know, not that exciting. I would say, yeah, I mean, OR is always like the show where people are like breaking it for to like drink beer. Oh, four? You know? That's late, Kate. Come on now. Yeah, I'm sure it's like that's like the vibe of it. It's just like, let's hang out. Like, yeah. Um, and I mean, that that definitely hasn't changed. I think like the interesting thing was like coming from Vegas where, you know, it was it was much smaller, but it was still a big show. And then going to OR and seeing how much smaller it was was interesting to me given that like the outdoor industry has seen such such success over yeah. the past year. Yes. Um, and so I think the vibe, the vibe was still really good. Like people were feeling really optimistic because they can't keep these products on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, when I was talking to like the footwear retailers, especially I talked to, um, you know, spider, they just launched a footwear line. They're, you know, kind of an outdoor gear company. Um, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're already selling through all of the hiking stuff, all of the athleisure stuff. Now people are going back to the gym. And so they want cross trainers. Um, but they, can't, they can't keep that kind of product on the shelves. And so wow. if you have it in stock, I mean, Scott, you know this. It's like they're trying to get their hands on anything that they can wrangle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what I saw. I talked to Sperry. Sperry came out with a new sport line, which was interesting, oh, kind of geared towards people who are really into like water sports, um, like boating and and. Well, summer, summer's into boating. I'm we just sort of learned boat. earlier. She's again. Yeah, wait, wait a minute. Summer, maybe yeah. your day would have been better if you had these these boat shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it was thank a you. Rough boat day. <laughs> You guys remember the old movie Captain Ron? Oh yes! Oh my God, that's such a good movie. <laughs> I just keep picturing that kind of boating experience oh, this summer. Such a good movie. Let's hear the Harvey book. Who wants to know? Captain Ron. It's good. <laughs> such a good movie. At least it wasn't. Side Jaws. note: When we talked to my talked to our children about this week of vacation we were on, we're yeah. always like, "So, what was your favorite part? You want to know what Chase's favorite part was? The boat." Because that nap must have been so flipping fantastic. He tells everybody, my favorite thing was the boat. I was like, you slept. You slept the whole boat right there awake for maybe 20 minutes. He just passed the most out. most expensive nap ever. It was. Right? Oh, my goodness. So, Kate, let's talk about the future. The, the, the trade show industry and the event industry has just taken it, I mean, like no other, right? I mean, like many other. Yeah. But, but they have just been hitting the chops here. What do you totally. think? I mean, again, I know this is opinion, not whatever, but what you're seeing and you're there, what do you think is going to happen? What is the future of these large, I mean, zillions of dollars to these, to these people and to the communities and everything? What, what's the future hold, do you think, in the next cycle? I mean, in the next cycle, you know, speaking from my own personal perspective, like looking towards like February, I think it'll probably end up being a lot like it was this time. Um, you know, the thing that's happening is that a lot of these trade shows are bringing a big part of their um, operations online. And so they're doing a lot virtually, um, which, you know, I think was was going to happen no matter what. This just kind of accelerated it. And so people that can't come to the show, it's too expensive. They're coming from overseas. They can go online and they can connect with buyers and sellers that way. Um, but I think, yeah, I think 
that like looking towards spring of next year, it's going to be really hybridized still. And that's kind of what, you know, I talked to the new events director for sourcing. Um, his name's Andrew David. And he kind of said the same thing. He was like, I see digital being a part of this going forward pretty much forever. Um, they're hoping to see a lot more attendance, obviously, in yeah. the next couple of cycles. Um Kelly Helfman, who, you know, is, um, I forget her exact title, but she runs basically all of these events for Informa, Magic, Sourcing, et cetera. And she kind of said the same thing, you know, that they're really investing in virtual. They're trying to build that up so that they can get as many attendees as possible, whether it's in person, whether it's hybrid. Um, you know, they're trying to make the app more useful to people who actually do attend this show so that it's like this really kind of seamless experience. Um, but I know that they really want more people to attend in the future. And I'm sure OR is the same way. I mean, that to me was really striking to see just how many fewer exhibitors came. And I imagine that that, um, that hurt them. Yeah. Ah. Well, you know, what's converging here, Summer. Tell me, tell me. What's converging not only on e-com for brands, but what I hear from Kate Nishimura from Sourcing Journal, sourcingjournal.com, is the convergence of the two things that I say are going to change the game, which is live stream. So why wouldn't you live stream if you're going to show exhibit, if you have to do it virtually, wouldn't you? Why would you live stream? Number one, number two, augmented reality. Yeah. If I want to see this thing on the models, if I want to see how that boat looks in a hard good sense, if I want to see it, I can see it and feel it and look at it in the room. Boom. There it is again in trade shows. I'm done. <laughs> Mike, he's been. I feel like that's next. Well. I feel like you're totally right. Like that is that is next. I don't disagree with her. I agree, Scott. Um, wait, do you, you forgive know? me still? No. no, I don't forgive you. Yet. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate Nishimura, this is fantastic. Uh, what's going on with you? You you pump out so many report great articles. It's like I can't even keep up. I I can't listen to show notes. What is the great article you're working on now and how can everybody find you at sourcingjournal.com? And if you haven't signed up, do it now. Do it today. What are you doing? Yes, please do it today. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm kind of one of the people on my team who doesn't have a particular beat. I'm the features editor. So I kind of delve into a lot of like big macro issues. I think the one that I'm going to be focusing on you know, coming up and moving forward is what do these logistics problems look like heading into the holidays? Yeah. What do they look like heading into spring? Yeah. We're already hearing that some brands are concerned about getting their spring product. I mean, it, when you think about like the fact that we were hoping that 2021 spring was going to be a recovery for retail and now we're looking to 2022 and thinking what's going to happen? Like, are they going to be able to get product on shelves? I mean, it's, how long is this going to go on, you know? And so that's kind of what I'm looking at now is like, how long are these delays, whether it's production, whether it's logistics and shipping, how long is this going to impact retail? And when is that recovery really going to, you know, be facilitated? Yeah. Um, you know, speaking on the brand side, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we just did a big forecast yesterday and we said, okay, what's the best case scenario. And we're placing the order now because with how long things are taking, we need it to, so it'll arrive by March. So we're, yeah, we're placing right. much larger POs than what we normally place because of how long this yep. takes. 
Right, right. I mean, the good thing is that what we saw this year was that consumer appetite really bounced back. I mean, they can't keep product on the shelves. The yeah. problem is that there's just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you listened to our last show, but I was complaining that like I go to the store now and like there's no Gatorade. I don't know what happened to Gatorade. And I, I hate, I personally do not enjoy drinking Gatorade, but my kids think it's the coolest thing ever. So yeah. I bribe them with it. So I buy them like the little small bottles. There was a couple like the big one liters. But the other day, the whole shelf was empty except for cucumber lime Gatorade. Ew. That's a closeout. <laughs> That's a closeout waiting to happen. Somebody got a good deal on that, made their money on the buy. Well, I, I did buy it because I was like, well. You're desperate. I was desperate. God. The forecast. And I actually thought it would taste really good with vodka. Alcohol, my permanent accessory. Alcohol, a party time necessity. I mean, well, I was just thinking that. That sounds like, like a me I tasted it. I was like, this isn't bad. It was was a little sweet, but I'm like, if you watered this down with vodka, you know, I'm with you there. I've got a whole bunch of garage. I'll I'll send you home with some. (laughs) (laughs) My liquor store shelves are empty. Apparently there's a glass shortage. Really? And uh, a lot of the the distilleries aren't able to bottle their goods. and, And my liquor store looks like the apocalypse. Wow. And just to, to add, to stir up the pot even more and to get them rushing, I, we were at Costco last week, out of toilet paper and paper towels. No. I cannot freaking believe it. Scott, you just have to sign up for Amazon Subscribe and Save. I don't know if you saw the giant boxes in my front door when you walked know. in. I broke in. That was toilet paper and paper towels. Wow. Okay. Well, He's that's a... steal them on his way out. That's a pro tip. <laughs> Kate, I can't. Maybe actually, let me. I gotta check to my inventory management person. Uh, Kate, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me. It was fun. All right, uh, we'll be back with. We have Haley and the news coming up next. All right, today's show is uh, brought to you in part by OXG. That's the Outdoor Experience and Group uh, Summer, and they've got two. Fabulous fire pits on sale right now at Amazon.com. It's the OXG 23-inch round black 11-gauge steel deer design. It's got a deer design, then we have a diamond design. USA made one piece. There's no assembly. And it's beautiful. And, you know, falls around, falls here in the Northwest. Pretty I'm much. sure it's coming around the corner. First day of fall is September 22nd. And what, what speaks the most to fall? Having a beautiful outdoor fire experience. Yeah, and actually, if you go on Amazon in summer, if you click your phone right now on the virtual, you can actually see this fire pit in your house or, well, not in your house, but outside. You can see it right away. It's got an augmented reality experience for you. And that's so cool. Yes, and I will put the link, of course, uh, as always. So check it out. OXG Fire Pit. It's made in America. It's no assembly. It just comes in a box. You put it in. Boom. You're ready to go. And it's bomber. It is bomber. This it's thing so lasts pretty, a long time. And now we're seeing it how it looks in the room. Oh, my God. It looks gorgeous next to my Peloton. <laughs> Check it out. That's OXG. Yes. OXG. 23-inch round black 11-gauge steel deer. See, see the keywords in the title? I do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is Aton Buckman, CMO of Fredos.com, and you're listening to Always Off-Brand. Well, that's all been fun and games, but it's that time 
the time America has been waiting for. It's time for the news. That's right. It's time for Haley and the News. Haley. Happy Friday, guys. It's Labor Day weekend. Can you even believe we've made it to September? I can't believe it's September. I can't believe it. You might be listening to this and it could be March of next year or it could be <laughs> November or December. We don't know. Or it could be next uh, in September. Take well, it away, Haley. It's a beautiful Haley. fall day here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I've got a couple news stories for you. Let's, Let's do it. Let's talk about technology in the national parks. Hmm. Summer, you were just on vacation. Did you bring your phone with you? Were you checking your emails? Were you looking at social media? Or were you totally disconnected? Oh, no, I can't disconnect. I did not check my work email, though. I refused. <laughs> I didn't text her. I wanted to. And I was because I, I did. I, you can always text me. No, when you're on vacation, I try and be respectful. This isn't work. This is fun. OK, you're you're my you were my Ted Lasso. I, I know I'm not anymore. I'm complete. I'm Eeyore now. I'm the bummer but in yeah, the room. But yeah, Haley, I, I had my device. What's going on? All right. So national parks are now getting more and more technology as people are getting more plugged in. Yeah. National parks. I mean, have you seen just the complete explosive traffic? You mean fires? It just use. Well, because that's what we're seeing is explosive fires everywhere. If you're not just use that word, you guys, maybe I don't know. It just came out. But (laughs) (laughs) the explosives just came out. What just came out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I use that descriptive word, but, you know. That's fine. What's wrong with that? No, but like all I can think about when we're talking about force is like we're about to lose Lake Tahoe. I know. We've we've pretty much have lost all of eastern Washington. Yeah. And it's just and and, you know And then the flooding in the northeast. Yeah. Ida. Good lord. We're lucky. We're all lucky right now. We are right here. Oh my gosh. So yeah, the technology but you to your point, all the parks that aren't in smoke and in fire. The, yeah, the, they've the, become the, so popular through yes. COVID. I think people are, you know, talking about the outdoor retailers not being able to keep goods on the shelf. It's yeah. because people are actually going outside. Yeah. You, I mean, it's so great to see people traveling in their own country and experiencing the beautiful things that we have here in the States. Well, here's some fun, interesting numbers for you here on this Friday, everybody. There are 63 miles of fiber optic cable installed in Grand Teton National Park. Hmm. What? There are 32 national parks that offer Wi-Fi. Hmm. 73 national park-related apps are in the Apple App Store. Really? 73? That's a lot. I know. And five cell towers alone are in Yellowstone. All right. Bye. So my first my first thought is I don't like this because I, I when I'm hiking or something like I, I do want my phone off. Yes. I, when I was on vacation on my phone, but like I, I wasn't, you know, on it. But what I do like about it is that I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and it's always like, uh-huh. you know, this person's getting murdered and they can't call anybody. <laughs> so then I think, well, this is good news because people won't be killed as much. <laughs> or they'll be able to track your body when this they find isn't it. funny yes they can track exactly i'm like this isn't funny but that's where my head went because i was like well this sucks but i was like "Ooh, but you know serial killers are gonna have yeah. they have a little bit harder for them to get away with it yeah 
I this is a conflict. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But you that's know, we're talking about all this streaming and our e-commerce shopping habits. And you know, I just picture people walking through the national parks like, oh, there's old faithful. I'm gonna I'm gonna order this thing off Amazon to help me remember this. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> like, it's what? so sad. I mean, there is a big sadness to this. Like, come I on, agree. man. Although, yeah. if I don't have my MLB app, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's also electric vehicle chargers, which is another electric need for the oh, national yeah. parks. In 2012, the national park system had 12 chargers. Guess how many they have now? Mm-mm. How many? 160. How are these getting paid for? I don't know. Well, no. You and I, I don't know. I mean, like it's taxes, but what my other thought was you always had to pay an arm and a leg whenever you go and park at these places. So I'm like, do you mm-hmm. get it for free if you have, if you're doing an electrical charge? Yeah, they're incentivizing yeah. an electrical thing, which is good. We like need that. that. We need this that. Is, I, you know, these are just all bittersweet things. No, but the government should be subsidizing and these are national parks. So yes, they're paying for it. And I'm sure the there's kickbacks and a lot of other things people are giving them to incentivize yeah. uh, to put them there. I mean, we, yeah. we're in Seattle. It depends on where you live, but we got electric chargers freaking everywhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm surprised you don't have yeah. one in the house, Summer. I do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on. Let's move it on. All right. So one more fun little fact here. So out of all the national parks containing cell phone towers, Seven of them were called out for improper installation or documentation mm. in a 2019 audit. Those parks were Yosemite, Everglades, Grand Teton, Acadia, Death Valley, and Yellowstone. So let's think about it. Yellowstone has five cell towers, so you could service in every little corner, but they were installed improperly? Hmm. Well, so I don't understand. Cell towers, I mean, everybody says 5G. Nobody has five. I don't know anybody who actually experiences 5G because let me tell you, when you get 5G, you'll know. I thought I was getting 5G. No, I mean, see, I got, I got the, my vaccine. No, this is the sham of the century because you actually aren't getting 5G. 5G is faster than the cable modem wireless in your house. That's how fast 5G is. Yeah. 5G is going to be another game changer once it's completely adopted everywhere. It's, it's going to be ridiculous because you're not going to have to know. So Comcast, Xfinity, all these people... They're freaking out about 5G because 5G is going to be a huge game changer. But the point of Haley's story is, I don't know how you improperly put in a cell tower, um, but I mean, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I, I could stand 20 feet from my tower and not get anything. You I got know, a I'm tower near my house. If it was like a very dedicated environmentalist doing the inspections. I, that's that's, that's, that's where my head went to. Oh, that's true. I, you know, it shouldn't be here. That's I mean, actually. I don't disagree. I don't either. Yeah, you know well, what? Is, we're, we already I'm, take over too much of animals. I agree. Properties. They were there first. You know what? Take them down. Take them down. I want them all out. Yep. That's it. We're gonna we do not next... need to call to buy things on Amazon while we're hiking through national parks. No. You know what? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad we settled right. that. Unless you're being chased by animals, <laughs> it's really nice. I know, but they should have some type of satellite beacon system or something. Like an avalanche system. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Haley, let's go. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our next story. You guys, this is a big one. This means big changes. I think everyone is going to see. Okay, this is my opinion here. 
But I think some some people with bigger ticket items on Amazon are going to see more sales. What? What's going on? A firm has now partnered with Amazon. This is big. If you guys don't know what a firm is, it's a loosely credit-based buy now, pay later loosely. option. And I yeah. read an interesting article and it, it was talking about how these Gen Z you know, young, those young whippersnappers <laughs> aren't using a lot of credit-based products. They're not yeah. racking up their Amex. They're not pulling out mortgages. They probably don't have a lot of credit, ev- you know, at all. Yep. Yep. Because their and parents, so these the parents later systems like Affirm, Afterpay. There was another one mentioned. Well, Shop just launched. You know, we were talking about Shopify. Shopify on our break earlier, Haley, and Shopify yeah. now has their own buy now, pay later. They do shop. Yeah, which is, I mean, it, I think it's just going to kind of take over. So, well, and to your point about to your point about like bigger ticket items are going to see a boost. So Amazon's now partnered with them. So now Amazon's going to offer that. Is that what? You're saying so with any shopping cart, more than $50 selected customers are going to have the option to use a firm to pay. And that will give them flexible payment options. They can pay that even if it's just 50 bucks. So they can pay it in two, three, four installments, whatever the customer chooses. So Haley, one question I have on this um, with Afterpay, for those who don't know, Afterpay, you have a limit of $2,000. And so you could do like, $100 $100 at Hydrolite, $100 at Amazon, well, I guess on Amazon, $100 on another place, you know, $1,500. You could spread it out, but you can never owe them more than $2,000. What's a firm's, do you know a firm's limit? You put me on the spot. I have no idea. Yeah, but we can always follow up. Million dollars. But I'm just thinking with Amazon, we're talking about bigger ticket items. I feel like it needs to be more than $2,000. Um, because that feels like if you're talking like TVs and cell phones and iPads, like the bigger items, especially coming up with Christmas. I mean, this was brilliant to do this. Hopefully they could have it installed before cyber weekend. But what I don't understand. Parents find toys and and all kinds of things. Oh yeah. That was smart. But what's the difference between that? So I'm looking right now on the screen here in the OB Belby studios of our beautiful fire pit, which is a great case study that we could talk about. But anyway, gorgeous by the way, that is a beautiful, what's the ACE number on there? We should share. That that's pretty. We should. We should. They're actually a sponsor of the show. I forgot to tell you that. So the OXG twenty three round next two ninety nine. But you could. They have and they've had this for a long time. Pay fifty dollars months for six months, right? But that's the, for Amazon yeah. credit card. Exactly. So yeah. this is where I'm. I'm. I know a firm is doing a different thing, right? It's different. It's very different. Yeah. yeah. I just googled the credit limit for a firm. What is it? A firm. Now, this is a this is this is not on a firm's website. This is a third party because on a firm site, it doesn't specify. Yeah. But this particular invest investopedia mm-hmm. doesn't have a minimum or maximum credit limit per se. So there is an upper limit of $17,000 on purchases. Mm. Well, it's interesting because you said that. $17,000? Yeah, that's that's dangerous. I mean, you go back to 22-year-old Summer who was over $35,000 in debt. um, That would be bad for me. (laughs) I like your debt has its own sound effect. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, there is. 22-year-old Summer. Because you know what my mom taught me? What? If you want it. You must need it. Oh, so that's how that's that's how Summer got in trouble. You know, as a, as that a young whippersnapper. Yeah, I'm a dangerous <laughs> man with some money in my pocket. Shit. <laughs> 
I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep up. <laughs> But it'll be interesting because you were saying, Haley, that it is only going to be on specific approved customers. Well, yeah. Amazon knows how much you're spending. Ex- and, you know, so they're going to look at you like, oh, you're a college student. You have our college. You get the discounts because you're a college student or, you know, first time parent, that sort of thing. And they're going to have limitations. Yeah. They're pro- you know, a firm's going to, yes, be helping them with this. But Amazon's going to probably set some pretty strict re- restrictions on this. So, but why, how, then why do they need a firm if they're already doing this? Well, because you could... <laughs> You, there's no installment. You buy it and you pay for it way later. Oh, Amazon will get the payment right away. Yeah. And the firm's the one on the hook. Exactly. So Amazon is now, you know, pushing it off, that responsibility off onto somebody else who's probably much more insured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I'm thinking like Amazon Seller Central, they probably won't pay the seller. That's You know how they hold your money and... Yeah, but this uh, is this is a ships. I bet I they're only ships. It I bet it's all one P. I bet it's all one P. They're not going to give it to three right. P. I think you're right. Summer Jubilee coming in, Ooh, coming in with the predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it's only three P. I'm one P. Excuse me. Okay, we got that's on the watch list. That is on the watch list. That whole story. That's interesting. We wait, had wait, wait. Before we jump off, is the firm a publicly traded company? Because if so, I kind of want to yes. buy some stock. I believe it yeah. is. We should go buy all, you know all those. I actually have a little, it says a firm stock spiked 48% on Friday night. Summer after the news came but out you know, I should, the partnership. But, you know, we should buy it before, buy some stock before the cyber weekend because I bet it's going to go. I agree. I like your sound Ooh. effects too. You're bringing it to the table. It's just, it's just so good. Uh, let's move on to one of our most popular segments of the show, Haley in the News. It's Amazon Seller Central Forum Funnies. Well, somebody has a rude buyer account name. This person writes, is there a rule anywhere about using descriptions of private parts in a buyer account name? I thought there was, but buyer today seemed to have slipped by the Amazon sensors. Slipped by, no pun intended. strip of words connected, which spells out a rather graphic description of the size of a certain male appendage. (gasps) He slipped by, get it? First it was like... (laughs) Buying jockeys, jock straps, now this? The name is on his shipping address, which I am embarrassed about presenting to our not very worldly post office clerk here in our small town. (laughs) But the buyer in question did purchase a very serious and worthy book. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What kind of book was? Does it say the book? It did not say. Did it say the name? What's the what's the seller name? It didn't say. Oh, jeez. Oh, come on. Old... I know. It didn't say. I was like scrolling down in the comments trying to find it. There's like no good information. Hmm. All right. But it was pretty funny. Let's just leave that up to our imaginations. Let's do it. And then you had a, a, a rant that I could really get behind, Haley, uh, in the Amazon seller struggle portion of the program. Oh, Okay, look, it's one o'clock on the East Coast right now, and I usually start my wine at like four, but after we have this conversation, I, I might have to open my wine early. Yeah, this is... This is... this is. Ugh. Are you okay. going to go? Are you going to go? I'm waiting. Okay, I'm going to go. All right. So let's talk about the FBA restock limits and how they keep freaking changing. They do. Have you guys experienced some changing lately? Um, 
I mean, specific to Amazon, yes. I mean, in personal life, yeah, a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. No, Amazon so, FBA. You know, back when COVID hit and the FBA warehouses were like, oh, you know, we can't keep up. We're opening too many warehouses. We don't have enough people. Everybody's got COVID. You know, people can't go to the bathroom working in the warehouse. So we're going to cut your stock limits. Yep. Okay, great. So it was done by category. And here we go. It was IPI index was somehow algorithmed in there. But now they changed it again. They changed it in the summer, you know, in, in a, a textile category, for instance. I have an account in textile, fabric plush textile is now down to a thousand. And then, no kidding, I just tried to put in a shipment yesterday and it said that my restock limit was 600. What the hell are we supposed to do going into Q4 if we can only have 600 units all together? That includes. What's in transit? That includes what's in your, you know, yeah, FBA what's currently in there. Yeah, yeah, what's everything. moving. So what's interesting units. too is that Haley, you only have two months before the shipping cutoff for Cyber Weekend. If your product has uh, not arrived yeah. and it hasn't been confirmed or denied, but I heard a rumor that the shipping cutoff this year is going to be November third to get your product if you want to have it available for Cyber Weekend, and then the other shipping cutoff will be like December second or fifth or something like that for holiday um that only gives you too much which basically means you have to ship in the next four weeks if you want it to get there and if you have a limit of 600 you're screwed so scott what yeah. do we typically recommend when we see these kind of situations well and it's not like this particular account of mine has a bad ipi score because it doesn't we have a fabulous score and you know so that eliminates that that's i the... just don't understand it's like we're gonna have to have almost a funnel yeah, uh, UPS funnels like just stacked up and yep. once a week we're just gonna have to once a week what's the guarantee I mean you're gonna have to no Haley, I'm doing it every other day yeah that's are what, you really you gotta yeah. ship it soon that's what we said on the pop-up the other day, day. we good. said it before we did the jingle bells like ship it now load it up now back up the wagons yeah. and get that boop, shit out of there boop, boop. yeah and <laughs> get your FBM set up yes Absolutely. For those, Absolutely. I saw that pause. I know you would set it up. It's up to the seller. I would set it up. I've got some. I've got some customers that don't want to set it up. I or know. They don't have the capability. To yeah, I know. It's not easy. And you know and what? It's really difficult because you know we all know what it's like to run out of stock on Amazon. But we this get four this... to six weeks to like regain. Well, I read an article that you provided, Haley. I think one of the first articles you ever provided us was every one day you are out of stock on Amazon is um, sets you back five days. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, yep. I mean, you're talking four to six weeks. That's that's only if you get your inventory in, in a couple here, of days. Exactly. Here. But see, exactly. This, gets, so, this gets back to the toddler choice. See, all these business decisions get back into a toddler situation where you basically have to tell the toddler, you have two choices. And this is the choice you have to tell the seller. And if you're a brand, this is the choice. You either set up FBM or you're not going to hit, you're not going to maximize sales. You're going to, you're going to be sad at Q4, whatever your budget is, your expectation is, the CFO is, whatever, there's going to be yeah. sadness. So you pick which one do you want to do? Cause again, I, you know, it's up to you understanding that there's, there's problems and people can't just set up FBM. I get it, it but you just, it's like you pick one road or the other to me mm -hmm. and live with it. Yep. Haley. Oh, 
It is. It's killing us. Our the other thing. <laughs> it's killing me. It's it, just absolutely. The other me. thing that really is torquing this for those we talked about this in the pop up seasonal sensitive categories and businesses. Mm-hmm. Businesses and businesses. I got no business. <laughs> you got no business to be in medicine. Anyway. I don't know where that came from. I don't know, but I love it. This is why we have <laughs> to be in person. Funny. It was perfect. <laughs> is that even before the restock hysteria, and by she's referencing the inventory performance index, which is a load of Sheboygan. Such a ridiculous. It's Give so horrible. It's circus. And it's based on this large standard. I've already ranted about this on previous episodes, but seasonal get, seasonal products amazon systems don't do that well to begin with before covid before anything else they they don't do that really well anyway they're not set up for seasonal intensive items and now you add this onto the pile of caca and what do you have you have an absolutely certified organic handcrafted shit sandwich <laughs> take a big old bite seriously yep on a plate, on a fucking poo-poo platter. So, you know, I thought they were building a freaking FC on every corner here in the States. And yeah. even in Canada, like, well, they just they're I was, building FCs. I was almost. just showing Scott that the Cleveland airport, uh, Amazon airport, has now yeah. launched. It it's launched in August. The new yeah, hub. I saw that. I saw that. They have. They, they. I told you they were... 17 in August. They've opened up 17 uh, so far this year, 33 mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen the September rollout. They are, but these are million square foot things. Plus, they got to hire 200,000 people. So that's the I other. Think right now, the staffing is probably the biggest issue with probably. COVID and the fact that people might be, you know, not interested in working for an Amazon warehouse. But <sighs> I don't know. What I mean, what's going on? What's going on? All you know right. what? But we'll make it work because that's what we do. We that have is. to. Yep. That's our job. We can bitch and complain, but we will make that's it work. Right. I'm scrappy. You're scrappy, right? We can yeah. pull it together. Yep. Absolutely. Haley, in the news, once again, you've done it. All right. Well, my liquor shelves are empty, so let's hit the wine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to be back. we got to do a quick wrap up. And uh, there you go. I think that's that, it. Thanks, it. guys. All right. Hey, this is Jeremy Dodge, the head of e-commerce and digital marketing at NoCow, and you're listening to Always Off-Brand. Okay, so we had Kate Nishimura from Sourcing Journal, sourcingjournal.com. Thanks to her coming on, Summer. We learned she did a little road trip book report thing. That was fun. Yeah, it's you know, I keep getting all of these emails about going to grocery shop talk, which I would love to go in person, but like, you know, listening to Kate... It's so much of it for me, you know, with Kate, you know, she's looking at products and sourcing. I'm going there from a networking, wanting to learn what yeah. others in our industry are doing. And I, to me, it just doesn't even sound like it's worth going right now. I know, which makes me just so bummed out because I love like, oh, to a retailer. I've been there for 25 years. I've barely met. This is only the second time this OR, the only the second time in 25 years I've ever missed one two, two times a year. Yeah. So it's a reunion. It's people I love that I've known for a long time. And that's the part, the human connection 
that's what's so frustrating. It's frustrating and frustrating at the same time. Yeah, you know, so it was great to have Kate on here to, you know, we let her be the guinea pig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Go out, tell us what's going on. That was super interesting. Just hearing also, too, that like, you know, fashion is assuming that we're going to be in the same spot in the yeah, spring. That's just, but a, I think it's a safe bet. I really do. I think it's I, a safe bet. Uncertainty, she said, because I talked to her early in the week about what we we're going to talk about. And I'm like, what are the trends? And she said it on the show, but she's like, there are no trends. I mean, the trend is there's no trends. There's no trends. Um, yeah. And then, then, you know, love having Haley in the news talking about like what we're seeing with inventory issues. Ugh. Forum funnies with inappropriateness, which always seems to be going on on Amazon. There's always something that's wrong over there. And uh, it's the bottom line. We've been talking about this for months at ad nauseum at this point. Inventory is going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah, and it's hard to fix it because once you think you fixed it, it's screwed up again. Mm -hmm. So uh, as usual, I want to thank Kate Nishimura, our guest, uh, Haley in the News, everybody else. And remember, people, for... The love of Pete, as I like to say. People matter. And you are listening to Always Off-Brand. Bye-bye. You usually do your piece. I know, I was going, please. <laughs> hey there, this is Haley from Quickfire, and they want me to read this so you know what this podcast is part of and how to find out more if you want. Always Off-Brand is a production of Quickfire LLC and a part of the Learn and Laugh series on the Quickfire Podcast Network. For more information, go to quickfirenow.com. Have a good one, and thanks for listening.